Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. I don't know if you can pick that out, but there's a turtle on top of that fence post. Here's something I know, and I, I'm, a, I'm just a redneck from the Appalachian Mountains, but here's what I can tell you. That turtle didn't get there by itself. Somebody had to put that turtle on top of that fence post. And can I tell you today that I realized that we didn't get here on our own. God's put us here. It's been His faithfulness. All that you see and all that you're experiencing is because of God's goodness and His grace. God has blessed us and God has brought us to this place. Speaking of that, it kind of reminds me of another group of people whom the Lord deeply blessed. Scene is really quite amazing because God had promised for Solomon to sit on the throne of his father David. David wanted to build a permanent dwelling place for God to meet with his people because they had been temporarily meeting in a tent-like structure called a tabernacle. God told David that he wouldn't build it but that his son Solomon would. So the construction started and after seven long years... And a cost of what today would be an equivalent of $10 billion, everything was provided and the tabernacle was complete. Solomon stood before the people at that magnificent temple and he sought God's blessings and asked that God would pour his Holy Spirit upon his house. He prays a prayer as they dedicate the temple and ask God to hear their prayer. We know that God hears their prayer and answers because He comes and consumes the sacrifice with a fire and reveals his glory and fills the temple with his glory. I want you to know that we've gathered here this morning to do something very similar. We've been at this for nearly eight years. We've spent, yes, church, we've spent millions of dollars. And now it's all provided and it's all complete. And here we are where we were temporarily worshiping in a makeshift kind of tabernacle here we are this morning in this permanent facility we're going to pray and we're going to dedicate this place to the lord and we're going to ask his glory to fill this place before we do though i want to walk us through solomon's prayer and learn three principles about a church or really a house if you will that god will bless typically we would take the passage of scripture and we would read through its entirety and then I would teach from it because of the length of that passage today. I'm going to read it as I go. But if you would, you can turn your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 6. You would be ahead of the game. 2 Chronicles chapter 6. I want to kind of relate this to where we're kind of at. Because I don't know about you, but I really want God to bless this place. Do you? I mean, I really want the history that we have ahead of us to be greater than the history we had before us. I mean, behind us. I want people to tell greater stories of what God did 
than just the stories that we've already had. And I want us to be the kind of church that Solomon prays about in 2 Chronicles chapter 6. If you want to go ahead and turn there again, I'll begin reading here in just a moment in verse 12. Here's the first thing I want to kind of throw out to you this morning. God will bless a church that cries out in prayer. God will bless a church that cries out in prayer. Did you know that God has always desired for his house to be a house of prayer? In Isaiah 56, 7, the Bible says this, Even though I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer, their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Jesus reaffirms that truth in Matthew chapter 21, verse 13. And he said to them, it is written, my house should be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a robber's den. God deeply desires that his people pray. And and my prayer is that this place would be a place of prayer, that we would be a praying church. But what are some of the things that we should be praying about? I mean, that's the good and, and big and bold question, right? What are some of the things that we know that if we prayed, God would certainly bless? One of those is, is God hears prayers of confirmation. God hears prayers of confirmation. In 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 12, I want to turn your attention there. Then he stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. Solomon had made a bronze platform, five cubits long, five cubits wide, three cubits high, and had set it in the midst of the court. And he stood on it, knelt on his knees in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven. And he said, O Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth, keeping covenant and showing loving kindness to your servants who walk before you with all your heart, who is kept with your servant David, my father, that what you have promised him Indeed, you have spoken with your mouth and have fulfilled it with your hand as it is this day. Now, therefore, O Lord, the God of Israel, keep with your servant David. My father, that which you have promised him, saying, you shall not like a man to sit on the throne of Israel. If only your sons take heed to their way to walk in my laws as you've walked before me. Now, therefore, O Lord, the God of Israel, let your word be confirmed, which you have spoken to your servant. Will God indeed dwell with mankind on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house which I have built. Yet regard, have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his supplication, O Lord my God, to listen to the cry and to the prayer which your servant prays before you. Let me kind of explain that a little bit. Solomon is on a bronze platform. It's seven and a half feet long. It's seven and a half feet wide and it's four and a half feet high. He stands there and then he gets on his knees and his prayer tells us that God hears and even desires prayers that are based on even directly from his word. Solomon was really asking God to be faithful to keep his word, to be faithful to keep his promises. And that's what prayer is a lot of. It's prayers of confirmation, oh God. The things that you have said, the things that you have promised, would you confirm them, oh God? And we, as we have prayed... The Lord indeed has heard our prayers and he has kept his word to us every single step of the way. Did you know that? There's not one single promise that God has given us along this journey that he hasn't kept. There's not one single promise about a building or a project or funding or anything that God hasn't kept because God hears prayers of confirmation, but God also hears prayers of care. 
God hears prayers of care, verse 20 and 21. He says that your eye may be open toward this house day and night, toward the place of which you've said that you would put your name there, to listen to the prayer which your servant shall pray to this place. Listen to the supplications of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. Hear from your dwelling place from heaven, hear and forgive. When we make prayers for the cares of our hearts, we're praying prayers of supplication. And God desires that his church be a place where people come and leave their cares before him. First Peter 5, 7 says to cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Do you know that when we do that, that God begins to lay those burdens that we have on other people's heart? And then in Galatians 6, 2, we read these words, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Can I just offer a special word to those of you who are hurting? To those of you who come to this place and maybe sometimes you make decisions not to come because the burdens of your heart are too deep. Can I tell you this? Most people don't show up at church because they don't want to lose it at church. The emotions are so deep. The pain is so raw. They would rather stay somewhere else because they're afraid if they come to church and lose it, that they maybe would be judged or that it's just too much or they pretend that they have to have a happy face at church. I mean, church is the place where you don't share that stuff. And I'm telling you, that's the wrong answer. Church is the place where you share that. Some people don't want to come to church because they don't want to seem like they, they don't have it all together. Did you know that grief, pain, hurts, shock, trauma, it's all like a rogue wave. You just never know when it's going to hit. And then when it does hit, it's wave after wave after wave. And here's what I'm telling you today. If you try and suppress that when you're here at church, it'll only cause you more pain. This has got a place where we deeply long for people to come and lose it. It's got to be a place where people feel comfortable enough with the people around them that when I hurt, you hurt with me. That's the kind of prayers that God hears. And that's the kind of place that we're trying to create is a place for people who don't have it all together. And a place for people to lose it. Because God deeply cares for us to cry out to him with our cares. But then God also hears the prayers for conflicts. God hears prayers for conflicts. You're saying he does? Yeah. Verse 22. If a man sins against his neighbor and is made to take an oath. And if he comes and takes an oath before your altar in this house. Then hear from heaven and act and judge your servants. Punishing the wicked by bringing his way on his own head. And justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. Folks, I need you to know that when there's conflict and trouble between people, the place to settle that conflict is best handled in prayer. It's really hard to hate somebody whom you're praying with and praying for. Amen. Also, when we pray about the conflict, we allow the Lord to determine guilt and innocence. And we allow the Lord to deal with justice. And can I tell you today that we can trust the Lord. I hope that with all my heart that we will continue from this day as we move forward to deal with all conflict on our knees. God also hears prayers for casualties. Because in the midst of conflict, there's always casualties. Look in verse 24. If your people Israel are defeated before an enemy because they have sinned against you and they return to you and confess your name and pray and make supplication before you in this house, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel. Bring them back to the land which you've given to them and to their fathers. 
Solomon calls on God to hear the prayer of the one who is weary in the battle. Y'all know this. We've been in a spiritual battle for a hot minute. And oftentimes we get wounded in the battle. Did you know that? Sometimes we get directly wounded from the enemy or sometimes it's collateral damage from another believer. But can I tell you that this is the place where we bring those wounds. Here is the place where we're refreshed and we heal in the battle. Here is the place we find strength to fight the battles that loom ahead. Isaiah 40, 31 is still true. If those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength, they will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. That's the kind of church that we want this to be. God also hears prayers of confession. Here's prayers of confession, verse 26, when the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because they've sinned against you and they pray toward this place and confess your name and turn from their sin when you afflict them, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants of your people Israel. Indeed, teach them the good way in which they should walk and send rain on your land which you've given to your people for an inheritance. If there's a famine in the land, if there's pestilence, if there's blight or mildew, if there's locust or grasshopper, if their enemies besiege them in the land of their cities, whatever plague or whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer or supplication is made by any man, but all your people, each know his own affliction and his own pain, spreading out his hands toward this house. Then hear from your heaven, your heaven, your dwelling place and forgive And render each according to all his ways, whose heart you know, for you alone know the hearts of the sons of men. And while referencing sin throughout his prayer, Solomon now asks the Lord to forgive the sin which may have resulted in the withdrawal of God's blessings in the areas of their lives. Church, you know this. When there's sin in our lives, the Lord's blessings are hindered. But it's in prayer It's in prayer we go and we repent and we confess and we turn of our sin. And the Lord desires to hear that which we confess. And when we confess, the Lord indeed forgives. But can I challenge you that this would be a place where confession of sin is regular, which is normal. It's a a natural occurrence in this body because God hears those kind of prayers. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, what does it say, church? He is faithful and righteous to do what? Forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness because God hears prayers of confession, but then he also hears prayers of commitment. Here's prayers of commitment. Look in verse 31. That they may fear you to walk in your ways as long as they live in the land which you've given to our fathers. In prayer, we learn to fear God. In prayer, we learn to seek His face, His will, His glory. There is no better place to do that than in God's house. I pray that this altar is continuously filled with people bowing in humble adoration of the Lord, calling out on His name and committing themselves to follow Him and to fear Him with all of their hearts. Thomas Watson once told a tale about a small town that historically been dry. (laughs) But then a local businessman decided to build a tavern. A group of Christians from the local church were concerned and they planned an all-night prayer meeting just to ask God to shut down that tavern. It just so happened shortly after the prayer meeting that lightning struck the tavern and it burned to the ground. The owner of the bar sued the church claiming that the prayers of the congregation were responsible. But the church hired a lawyer to argue that they were not responsible. 
The presiding judge, after his review of the case, said this. He said, no matter how this case comes out, one thing is clear. The tavern owner believes in prayer, but the Christians do not. <laughs> oh, beloved, may we always believe in the power of prayer. May we be a church that God blesses because in this house that we have built, it will be a house of prayer. Do you remember the story of when Peter was in jail? Herod had put him in jail because they were preaching and teaching in Jesus' name. And he's in prison. And one night this angel comes and leads Peter right out of prison. Do you remember that story? Here's the cool thing. And in my study this week, here's something that just blew me away. The angel fetched Peter out of prison. But it was prayer that fetched the angel. The church had been praying for him. And God blesses a church that cries out in prayer. God will put his hand on this place. if We always make this a place of prayer. That's why we have been incorporating more and more prayer in our services. And we will continue to do so. Because this will be a place of prayer. But right now, I wonder. I wonder right now, would you just be willing? Somebody out loud, somebody quietly, it doesn't matter, but, but, but I would appreciate if somebody could pray some prayers out loud. Maybe it's a prayer to say, God, you fulfilled your word. Or, or God, here's the cares of my heart. Or, oh God, I'm in conflict with this. Or, or Lord, here's something that I've suffered. I've been in battle and I'm, I'm hurting. Or, oh God, here's my sin before you. Or, or Lord, I'm committing to fear you again. I wonder right now, could we take the time, either out loud or silently, just for a few moments to be that kind of church so that God could bless this house. Would you pray with me right now? just go before the Lord right now would you just pray out in prayer but did you know secondly that God would bless a church that cares for people Solomon continues his prayer and gives us another important part of the heart of God God loves people and he wants to minister to them but here's what I know that God's going to minister to people through you and I when we go to God in prayer we get his heart when we love him and allow him to love us as a result, we can then go and love our neighbor out of the overflow. That's really the mission of our church. We're trying to embrace great commandment love that fuels great commission living. But who are the ones that we can care about? I mean, there, there are lots of people that we can care about. and We don't have time to name them all, but this text gives us a few. Solomon mentors one of them. He says, we are to care for the wandering stranger. You and I as a church, we are to care for the wandering stranger. Pick it up in verse 32. Verse 32 says, also concerning the foreigner who is not from your people Israel, when he comes from a far country for your great namesake and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when they come and pray toward this house, then hear from heaven from your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you in order that all peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your people so that they may know that this house which I have built is called by your name. The people who weren't part of God's special covenant with Israel were welcomed to the temple and to come and to call on the name of the Lord. While you and I are here to worship, we must never, ever lose sight of the fact that Jesus desires to save and to redeem any and all who do not know him, follow him, or have relationship with him. 
May we always be a place where that sign means something that it says welcome home to any and all who come to our doors. May this be a place where we welcome strangers to the things of God, where we welcome those who are far off. Maybe no matter what their hurts, their habits, or their hangups are, may they know that this is a place where they matter, where they belong, that they're an image bearer of God, deeply loved by Him, and that we want to welcome them in His precious name. May this building be filled, listen to me, may this building be filled with people who don't know Jesus. May there become more people in this room who don't know Jesus than do know Jesus. May we be that kind of a people. May we care for those who are wandering and strangers. But then secondly, we are to care for the warring saint. The warring saint, verse 34, he says, When your people go out to battle against their enemies, by whatever you say shall send them. And they pray to you toward the city which you've chosen, the house which I've built for your name. Then hear from heaven their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. You may not know this, but in those days, the temple was the rallying point for the army of Israel. It is to the temple to the Lord that the army looked as they went out to battle. Solomon asked the Lord to help those who would do battle in Jesus' name. They need power and help of the Lord. And I pray that First Baptist Church will be a place where the battle scarred, the weary and the scared would find rest and be equipped to fight. Well, they would always hear a word from their commander. May this be the place we rally together to fight the battle for LaGrange. May this be the place we rally together to fight to the ends of the earth so that they may know the name of our king. We're also to care for the wayward saint, not just the warring saint, but the wayward saint. Verse 36, he says, And when they sin against you, for there is no man who does not sin, and you're angry with them and deliver them to the enemy so that they take them away captive to a land far off or near. If they take thought in the land where they're taken captive and repent and make supplication to you in the land of their captivity, saying, we have sinned, we've committed iniquity and have acted wickedly. They return to you with all their heart, and with all their soul in the land of their captivity where they have been taken captive and pray toward their land which you've given to their fathers and the city which you've chosen and toward the house which I've built for your name. Then hear from heaven, from your dwelling place, their prayer and supplications and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Here Solomon asked the Lord to hear and minister to the repentant heart. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you that there are going to be times when you and I disobey the Lord. There are going to be times when you and I go wayward. There's an old-fashioned word, it's called backsliding. There's going to be a time when you and I backslide, when we rebel against the things of God and His Word. But my prayer is that we would be the church that loves prodigals. And we would be the church where they know they can always come home. May we be the place where the battered and wayward sheep find help to repent. They find forgiveness. They find restoration. And they find hope. We care for the wayward saint, but then we also care for the worshiping saint. Verses 40 and 42 say this, Now, O God, I pray, let your eyes be open and your ears attended to the prayer offered in this place. 
Now therefore arise, O God, to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation. Let your godly ones rejoice in what is good. O Lord God, do not turn away the face of your anointed. Remember your loving kindness to your servant, David. Solomon concludes this prayer with praise, rejoicing, and complete trust in the Lord's loving kindness. May First Baptist Church be the place where the presence of God is felt, where it's known, where it's enjoyed, where it's cherished. May we be able to care for those who are truly walking and trusting the Lord, helping them to come more like the Lord, trusting in his love. It's not just about reaching lost people. It's also taking care of the people of God. Amen. Amen. That's our vision. We want to provide a place for people to belong, put them on a path they can become, and give them an opportunity to believe in the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. I read a story this week about one night in 1935. Fiorello H. LaGuardia is the mayor of New York. He showed up at a night court in the poorest ward of the city. The mayor dismissed the judge for the evening and took over the bench. The case before him was an elderly woman who was caught stealing bread to feed her grandchildren. LaGuardia said, I've got to punish you, ma'am. It's $10 or 10 days in jail. Remember, 1935. As he spoke, he threw 10 of his own dollars into a hat. He then fined every person in the courtroom 50 cents. And he says, I'm punishing you all because this woman had to live in a place where she had to steal bread that she, so her grandchildren could eat. We shouldn't have a city where a woman has to steal to feed her grandchildren. So he passed the hat around. And the woman left the courtroom with her fine paid with an additional 50 bucks in her pocket. I want us to be a church that cares for people. I don't want us to be a church where the Lord would have to fine us because people live in our city who have needs. And we're a church and we never even try to meet their needs. I pray and ask the Lord to make us a church that truly cares for people. One of the greatest ways that we can care for people is to pray for them. So I'm going to ask you again right now, could we go to the Lord in prayer? And can we pray maybe through some of these categories? Maybe it's somebody that you know that's the wayward stranger. Maybe it's somebody that you know that's the warring saint. They're just battle after battle out there on the front lines. Maybe it's somebody you know today that's just a little wayward. Or maybe you want to pray for a brother that you know or a sister you know that is actually worshiping the Lord. As that music comes up, See, when Solomon finished praying, fire from God fell and consumed the sacrifice. They provided a pleasing sacrifice to the Lord. That's why he consumed it. And when you and I offer ourselves as living sacrifices, we're pleasing to the Lord. And when a church is found pleasing to the Lord, he will manifest his glory in that church in a way that will take our breath away. Can I tell you that we've been blessed here? God has visited us with his glory over and over as a church because that's why we exist. We exist for the glory of God, amen. And because of that, first of all, we're to praise the Lord for the presence of his glory. In chapter seven, verses one through three, the scripture says this. When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. Watch this. The priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. 
All the sons of Israel seeing fire come down and the glory of the Lord upon the house bowed down on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshiped and gave praise to the Lord saying, truly he is good, truly his loving kindness is everlasting. The glory, the Shekinah glory, the very presence, power and glory of God Almighty filled the temple. It was so awesome that even the priests who had been anointed and they're in proper clothing weren't even able to get into the temple. What a Sunday that would be where God's glory so filled this place we had to meet in the parking lot. The Justin and I couldn't even get in. May it be so, Lord. But I can tell you this. When God shows up, It's not a casual thing. We don't sit with coffee in our hands. We don't just sit back in our seats like nothing's happening. If God ever shows up, we will fall on our faces. That's the only proper response to the king of kings. We won't react casually. What was the result? They bowed down on their faces and worshiped and praised God. They praised him for who he was and that he was with them. May we be a church that continues praising the Lord, that brings a sacrifice of praise. May we give glory and honor to to describe worth and value to our king every time we meet because that's what worship is. Worship is is an old word that means worthship. And when we worship, we ascribe to the Lord the worth that's due his name. Sometimes we're too distracted, we're tired, or in the wrong mood to worship. But can I tell you, if you came and you're distracted and you're in the wrong mood to worship, can I just lovingly tell you, this ain't about you anyway. I care what kind of mood you're in. His worship's not dependent on if you're in the mood to worship or if you like the music or not. He's worthy no matter what we play, what we don't play. He's worthy no matter how you feel or how you don't feel. Amen? It's for his glory. And we will be a church that will continue in praise to him, praising him for his presence. And finally, lastly, we are to praise the Lord for the permanence of his goodness. They said, truly he is good. Truly his loving kindness is everlasting. Truly, truly, truly our God has been good to us. May every man, woman, boy, or girl never, ever, listen to me, never, ever be ashamed to verbally proclaim God's goodness in this building. So I wonder right now, has anybody got anything they could just shout out right now to tell God how good he's been? Can we just do that right now? Can we just continue in praise? Does anybody have anything you'd like to say, God, you're good because... God, I praise you because. Has anybody got anything in the house today? Amen. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're a family. We're in this building. Amen. Anybody else want to lift this praise up? You are. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anybody else just lift up a praise of thank you, Lord, for a new job. Yes, God, you're good. Amen. Praise you. Keep going. Amen. Keep going. You can speak over top of one another. God can make it make sense. Amen. Praise him right now. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. him. Don't talk to me. Talk to him. Let's praise him right now. God, we thank you. 
We thank you that you've been so good to us. We thank you for these buildings. We thank you, God, for your presence that's here with us. We thank you for this book. We thank you for our salvation. You are so God. You're so good, and you're everlasting, and your truth reaches to countless generations. God will bless this church as long as we cry out to him in prayer, care for people, and continue to praise. But in closing, can I just tell you why I read all that? And while we did all this, can I just tell you now, the reason we did all this is to tell you this. You know what this is really all about? I don't know if you saw it, but, but I'm going to tell it to you in different words. What the temple was to Israel, Christ is to the church. What Solomon did on that platform, Jesus did on a cross. He opened the way for others to be able to experience the blessing of God. The prayer of Solomon is really the work of Jesus. Jesus is the one who calls out to prayer to God for us. Jesus is the one who asks the Father to fulfill his word to us, to show his care for us and that we would come to him. All who weary and heavy laden would come to Jesus and find rest for their souls Jesus is the one that shows us how to fear God and lay down our lives for our brothers and how to take the log out of our own eye before seeing the splinter in our brother's eye. Jesus is the one who comes alongside of us when we're battling spiritual battles and delivers us from Satan's power. Jesus is the one to whom we confess our sin and find forgiveness because of his death on the cross. Jesus is the one to whom we commit our lives, pick up our cross and follow. Jesus is the one who calls us and says, hey, come. Come, all you strangers, all you who are far off, come to me, all you who are sick and lost in need of a savior and a healer. Jesus is the one who cares for his disciples that are in the battle and calls them to come with him on a retreat. Come away with me, he says. Jesus is the one who came to Peter in his waywardness and restored him. And he's the one who comes to us in our waywardness and restores us. Jesus is the one who sat next to John at the last supper and ministered to him as the disciple whom he loved. We are the beloved of God because of Jesus. Jesus is the glory of God revealed to us. Jesus is the very presence of the Shekinah glory of God in the church. Jesus is the only one who's ever been everlastingly good. Jesus is the only one to love us to the very end. Amen. This is all about Jesus. Amen. And that's to whom we dedicate these buildings. That's to whom we dedicate our lives. It's all about Jesus. It's all to Jesus. It's all for Jesus. And it's all through Jesus. And as we love him and allow him to love us, we will care for our neighbors and share the gospel. And as that continually happens, his glory will fall. And when his glory falls, so will we. When his glory falls on our face, we will fall on our face. To God.